So Caroline, do you have any fears? Any big ones? Yeah, I'm really afraid of snakes and anything with scales or anything that's slimy because like, no. Yeah. Hannah, have you ever tried to predict the future? Unfortunately, I have not. Why do you ask? Because you're not supposed to do it unless you're high. Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Hannah. And this is Myth. Today, we will be talking about Delphi, and specifically, the Pythia. Okay, so if you don't know where Delphi is, I need you to imagine the Greek peninsula. You know the shape, and if you don't, shame on you, go look it up. Uh, you should have learned that in sixth grade. It's on the slopes of Mount Parnassus, and that's in the territory of Phocis. Delphi is known as the belly button of the Greek world, and it's located about 10 kilometers from the Gulf of Corinth, and it's located on the Phydrides rocks, also known as the Shimmering Rocks. Okay, so to go ahead and dive into the myth here, this was like a really long, long, long time ago. Zeus, who was the king of the Greek gods, wanted to know where the center of the earth was. So he released two eagles, or according to some sources, like Plutarch, it says swans, from either end of the earth, and he told them both to fly towards the center of the earth. Well, the eagles finally met in Delphi and um, subsequently crashed into each other, which, uh, not to get off topic, but like, how did he know that these eagles were flying at the same rate? Or like, what if one got hungry and wanted to go stop for a snack and the other one kept on flying? How did he know that this was the center of the earth? Caroline, I need answers. I don't know. I w did not exist when this was happening. Ah, oh, dang it. So I can't help you other than the fact that he's probably stalking them, but you know... Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're a god, he could do that. It was Zeus. Anyway, Zeus marked the spot in Delphi with a rock called the Omphalos? How did... Um, Omphalos? Omphalos? Anyway, it's known as the navel. And that's why it's called the belly button of the Greek world, kids. If you look at it in the dictionary, it's actually closely related to the Latin word umbilicus and the Old English nephala, which I don't know if I'm saying that right. The uh, Omphalos marked the center of the world, which attracted a lot of pilgrimagers. Uh, is that a word? Pilgrimages? Pil pilgrim? Pilgrims? Anyway. <laughs> uh, but not only was it the center of the earth, it was also first home to Gaia, or Gaia, like the mother earth goddess, and her snaky son, Python, who protected her. And then according to, okay, here's the thing. I took Latin like three years ago. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. According to Hyginus, Python was the first oracle for save Delphi as he was the first one to give Rick oracular responses. He's the first one to give uh, prophecies uh, to pilgrims. And via the prophecy, it was said that he would be killed by the offspring of Leto. And so Leto was a titan with whom Zeus decided to get a little frisky with. And the only issue is that Zeus was already married, um, and his wife Hera was not very happy about that. So she put a curse on Leto that prevented her from giving birth anywhere on earth. Then to top that off, Python finds out that Leto is about to have kids, and he's like, not today. I'm not going to get killed today. So he tries to go and kill Leto while she's pregnant and running from Hera. So if he had actually succeeded in killing all three of them, do you think Hera would have been happy about that? Yes. Yeah, I really don't think, I think Hera was very much like, I mean, I guess she was rightly mad. But like, I don't know if you want to go as far as to kill but, like, Hera is also characterized as being a little butthead in most of the myths. So, I think it just goes with her character. Anyways, continue. 
uh, Leto eventually found the floating island of Delos, which was not attached to the Earth because it was floating, so therefore she was not on land that was attached to the Earth. So she gave birth to these godly twins. So first she gave birth to Artemis, and then nine days of labor later, she gave birth to Apollo. And then the babies received gifts from the gods, and do you know what gifts Apollo is given? What kind of baby gift do you think Apollo is given? Probably a lyre. Um, no, that's a little bit too, you know, like, tame. Yes, either a bow and arrow or just, like, the whole sun. Yes, uh, Hephaestus just gave, straight up gave this newborn baby arrows. And then, four days after his birth, Apollo decided that he was going to avenge his mother. His mother isn't dead, he just wanted to avenge her, um, for Python. And so he goes out, four days old, goes out, takes his very appropriate baby gifts of arrows, goes to Mount Parnassus, and kills Python. And then Hera is kind of mad about this because uh, she and Python were on the same side here. They didn't want Leto to live. And so she goes and punishes him by making him grow up as a shepherd for nine years. I'm just saying, of all the punishments, being a shepherd, not that bad. It's kind of tame for a Hera punishment. Yeah. She did throw her own son down the side of a mountain. Yeah, so it really is kind of tame for Hera. That's all I have to say on that. Okay, and then some versions of the myth claim that the Omphalos is also the exact spot that Python fell after he was slain by Apollo. And so then when Python fell, his body gave way to a crevice in the rock. And so then his body started rotting, right? Like most things do when they die. And um, these fumes that, that it gave off would send anybody who smelled them into a trance and give prophecy-like, uh, give them prophecy-like visions and orations. And so that is where the Oracle of Delphi was born. So, we're going to start off with the general, like, <clears throat> sorry guys, I'm getting a prophecy right now. Um, <laughs> okay, so the city of Delphi, as Hannah said earlier, was like a hub in the Greek world for travelers, because people would come all over to see the Pythia, who was housed in the Temple of Apollo. And this entire, the entire town of Delphi was centered around the temple and the Pythia. So the Pythia was the one that would um, go down into the chamber and give prophecies, right? So the Pythia was selected among the current priestess of Apollo when the old Pythia would die. And the, she was chosen based on moral character. So if you were chosen to be the Pythia, you were expected to leave everything behind. Leave the kids behind, leave the bills behind, leave the husband behind or wife, because this was ancient Greece. So, you know, they, they got around in ancient Greece, but they were expected to leave everything behind to come and do prophecies at the Temple of Apollo. Now, keep in mind, they would do, only do prophecies a few times out of the year. And so this was because there were the holy days, but wasn't it also true that, like, Apollo was, like, not available for three months of the year? not available let's be real that man was probably like skirting around like whoring around with everybody in greece he used it as the whore months the pythia was also generally a high class well-educated well-literate woman i don't think a man was ever a pythia Mostly because I've looked at some of the artworks and I've never seen like a, a dude sitting on the little, the little high chair that they sit in. 
and get high. <laughs> Never seen that before. But I think yeah. Hannah has some more information about that. Yeah, the Thea did sit on that tripod, which looked a lot like a high chair, but was actually very uh, common back then. It just was a stool with three legs. <laughs> no, imagine just <laughs> yeah, the, the Thea is just sitting on there and she's like high and she's just slowly falling off. Slowly start propping her back up while she's in the audience with like some great leader or something. That would be amazing. Like, like just just imagine. Like, I mean, they they obviously respected her well because, like, I mean, people like most of the advice back in ancient Greece, most influential people were men. So think about they're just like listen to this woman who's high, and they're just like, yep, that's the advice. That is the advice to go by. Oh, I think you're gonna see. Maybe a few women just tumble your kingdom, huh? I can't yeah, yes, you. yes, yes, great, great prophetess. Like, what kind of drugs were these people on? <laughs> well, I have some information on that. We can get to that one later. So the people who wanted to request an audience with the oracles are known as consultants. And um, they would have to go through, like, this intense questioning by the temple's priest in order to see if they were, like, their ideas were, or their questions were good enough to get an actual audience with them. And all the consultants were men because no woman except for the Pythia was allowed into like the inner part of the temple, which actually gives way to this interesting fact. The, the women who were chosen for the Pythia at first were young women who were often like virgins and they were beautiful. And because of that, the men who went in there decided that, you know, they just do whatever they want and they would rape them. So that's why the priests, the oracles, were eventually made into, or were eventually uh, older women, because they didn't want these women to get raped. Yeah, so that's also evident, like, most artwork that you've seen, like, most oracles are portrayed as younger, because up until, like, after, I think, the Peloponnesian Wars, all the Patheas and oracles would be these younger women. So that's why in artwork, they're often portrayed as these young women with, like, black hair and stuff like that instead of an old hag just like vibing yeah it was like about i think it was like 5 bc is what i read that when they started being older women and so uh, on the day that pathia would be giving audiences she would first go to bathe in the castalian 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 yeah those castalian springs uh they were there to perf at her oh castalian ah castalian Okay. On the given day in which by the viewing audiences, she would go bathe in the Castilian Springs in order to purify herself. And then at that same time, the priests in the temple were responsible for verifying that, like, the consultations could go ahead. And so first what they would do, this is according to a book called Delphi, the History of the Center of the Ancient World by Michael Scott, not to be confused with Michael Scott from The Office. Completely different Michael Scott. I don't think the one from The Office could handle this. What they would do is that they would sprinkle cold water on a goat, which the goat had to be pure itself. I don't know how they verified that the goat was pure, but it was a pure goat, I guess. So this procedure was to sprinkle cold water on the goat. It was uh, then most probably sacrificed at a sacred hearth within the temple. And then if the goat shuddered, it indicated that Apollo was okay to be consulted, which I feel like most of the goats would shudder if they were... Um, sprinkled with cold water and then killed. So then the goat would convince to be sacrificed outside of the temple this time so that Apollo could see this sign and then they would go ahead and get to the consulting. 
And so then the consultants would purify themselves in the spring, and then they would order themselves in according to the rules governing the consultants. Because, you know, there always has to be a hierarchy here. This is ancient Greece. There's always a hierarchy. Ancient world, always a hierarchy. So first, the local Delphians would get to see the, see the Pythia. Then the Greeks whose city or tribe was, like, a part of Delphi's city-state deal thing going on. I don't know. Are they, I don't think they're a city-state, are they? I think it is a city-state because, like, the Assassin's Creed Odyssey, when you go around... I'm sorry, I had to bring it up. But, like, when you go around, like, each individual um, part of Greece, like, Attica or... Cro- not Croatia, that's a country. Um, <laughs> or, like, Crete, they would show up as, like, an, its own distinct little portion of Greece, influence of Athens or Sparta. I think they are a city-state. So the Greeks whose city or tribe was part of Delphi Supreme Governing Council, and this was called the Amphictyony. And so then all other Greeks would be allowed and non-Greeks. And then each major tier is broken down into even smaller tiers. So each consultant then had to offer up a pelinos, I believe that's how it's pronounced, um, which was like a small cake that was burned as an offering. But here's the thing. These Delphians were very good at business. They were very good at getting a dollar. And so the deal is that you could only buy these cakes from Delphi. You had to buy these cakes from Delphi. So really just the Delphi people were great businessmen. And so then after that, the consultants had to offer up money. Um, so basically, it was like indulgences, but for the Greek world. They did offer up money, but the price depended on what, who the person was. So if they were a high-up leader, they had to pay more than a, like, a small farmer. And then depending on how big the question was, too. So, like, if a leader wanted to come and be like, hey, should I wage a war? They would have to pay a bigger price than a small farmer being like, hey, should I plant this crop this year? So then after all that happened, they would finally get to go into the temple. They had to make another sacrifice. And if they weren't already from Delphi, they had to take a person from Delphi with them as a local representative. Because, you know, the cakes had to be Delphi, the local representatives had to be Delphian, like everything just had to be Delphi. It was like branding. It was like early branding, but Delphi. And so then when the consultant reached Pythia, the priest advised them to think pure thoughts and speak well-omened words. So once they got into said chamber, uh, let me paint a picture for you real fast. So you get in there and it's just gas, like it's just vapor filling this room. So is it like a sauna? I mean, kind of. It's more like a hot box. Okay. So this gas is what makes the oracle, or the Pythia, which is the oracle, have her prophecies. Because it gets her high, essentially, is what it does. So she'd be, like, sitting on this, this high chair. It's called a tripod. Just breathing in this gas and just sitting there, like... <sighs> and then giving prophecies um the translation that i well the research that i did said it was from encyclopedia britannica said that she'd be sitting there like slumped over muttering words that the priestess had to translate for um whoever asked for the prophecy which i think is really funny because it's the pythia is like highly revered in the greek world but in reality she's just basically a druggie is what the pythia was she'd just be sitting there slumped over in the chair just like you know, throwing up peace signs and whatever, and the priestess would have to translate for what she said. Now, honestly, they'd probably spend upwards of 15 minutes in here 
um, probably less if there's a lot of people outside because, you know, they have to get their money somehow. So then to expand on this, these vapors that are arising from the ground, in a study that was conducted um, in like the, early, like the late 1990s, it was released in 2001, the researchers found there were two fault lines underneath Delphi. One was running east to west and one north to south. And basically what was happening was that these fault lines were interacting with each other and it created passages in the rock through which like, groundwater and gases could move through. And then according to this article published in National Geographic, from 70 to 100 million years ago, the limestone bedrock underlying the Oracle site lay below sea level, enriched with carbocarbon deposits, which basically we don't know much about hydrocarbon. Um, you can do a lot of stuff with it. Anyway, we're gonna pretend like I know science. Um, about every 100 years, like a major earthquake would hit that would rattle the faults and the faults would get heated by like this friction and then it would make the hydrocarbon deposits vaporize and these gases when they mix the groundwater they would come up into the springs and they would form vapors and stuff and so then um, this geologist DeBoer um, conducted an analysis of hydrocarbon gases and he found that one of them was ethylene, which has a sweet smell, which is described as like musty and sweet smelling, and it produces a narcotic effect, and it makes it like a hallucinogen, and people describe it as floating or disembodied euphoria. So that's how the oracles might have been high. So um, according to Plutarch, who pretty famous name in Greek, he lived near Delphi his whole life, and he was a priest of the temple for a while. He has a conflicting view on the, on the Pythia, but he was also in a different time than most of the other accounts, and he said that she actually spoke quite coherently. So there's, all, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty too, because a lot of the accounts, some accounts were like later on, and some accounts were like during that time. There's just a lot of random stuff. It's mythology. No one knows. It's whatever it goes. So, you know, these things were really interpreted very differently, and there's a lot of things that can be. So, you know what can be interpreted differently. English poetry, specifically by Lord Byron. I mean, you're not wrong, but I was hoping you would say prophecies. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, so one of the most well-recorded counters with um, the Pythia was when King Croesus of Lydia came to visit him. And the question he asked was, is it a good time to wage war with, I can't remember who it was, um, with, I'm going to say Kingdom X. And the Pythia responded with, one empire will fall. And, you know, King Croesus of Lydia being like, ooh, that's not going to be me, that's going to be my enemy, went off and waged a whole war. This man lost. He caused the kingdom of Lydia to fall because he in misinterpreted the Pythia's words. So basically what we can learn from this is that her prophecies would be very vague and up to the interpretation of whoever heard them. So if you misinterpret one of her prophecies, it could be very, very bad for you. That's all I'm going to say. It also sounds like, what's his name? King Croesus. Sounds like King Croesus has a good bout of a Grecian hubris. That wasn't funny. Thank you. I try. 
So here's one that shows a prophecy from the later times, back um, in 67 AD with the Roman Empire. Uh, Emperor Nero, you know, the one who uh, fiddled while Rome burned, which is not correct, but that's a whole different story. Emperor Nero, the crazy uh, emperor, fiddled when Rome burned, he killed his mother when he was about 30. And so then he decided to visit the Oracle, and the Oracle apparently told him, uh, this is a translation, your presence here outrages the god you seek. Go back, matricide. The number 73 marks the hour of your downfall. So Nero kind of interpreted this as he would live until he was 73 and then die. And he was like, well, that's great. I'm going to live a long time. But instead, this guy named Galba led a revolt against him, which caused him to, I believe he fell on his own sword. I can't remember, but he committed suicide. Um, a lot of accounts say Galba was 73, but that's not really known. He was kind of, he was around his 70s, though. So a lot of people saw that as that Oracle's prophecy coming true because she said the number 73 marks the hour of your downfall, and Galba was approximately in his se- early 70s. So this has nothing to do with the Patheas, but there have been known to be bootleg Oracles that were not from Delphi. Tell me more. Oh, you want to know more? Absolutely. Okay, I don't know how to pronounce any of these names, though. They were called the Kresmologi, Mologogi. I don't know how to pronounce this at all. So, if you couldn't make the pilgrimage to Delphi to visit the Pythia, or simply wanted a mobile oracle, you could get bootleg oracles because those existed. Now, more often than not, these oracles were found with armies, and what they would do is read the natural signs around them, like animal poop, bird flight patterns, or the weather, to determine the will of the gods. So, so is this like one of those mobile grooming things for your dogs, but with oracles? Yes, it's really, like, it's honestly like a mess. Like, they technically were not blessed by Apollo, like the Pythia was. But armies would carry them around just so they could have something to, like, try and base the will of the gods off of. You also could find these in the streets where people would charge money to have a prophecy spoken for them. So Um, fortune tellers. Yeah, basically fortune tellers. It was a mess. These things were highly unreliable. Like, there's no record of, like, whether or not these were as... Well, the Pythia wasn't very accurate. I think it was, like, 60% of the time she got a prophecy correct. But these were, like, pretty much hit or miss. But another oracle that should be well-known in literature was Cassandra, most famously known for predicting the fall of Troy and Agamemnon taking her back to his home. And she actually predicted his downfall, but Cassandra was cursed by Apollo to where she'd always utter the correct prophecy, but nobody would ever believe her. So it was kind of the opposite of the boy cried wolf situation. Like, this girl knew what she was talking about, but everybody's like, she's lying. This girl, get a load of her trying to be like Oracle Delphi. But no, she accurately predicted the downfall of Troy and the demise of Agamemnon. The downfall of Troy happened because she was raped by Ajax the Lesser in the Temple of Athena, which, first of all, disrespectful. Why? Why would you go into the Goddess of War's temple? And do that, knowing you need to win this war. Like, who who in their right mind? After that event happened, Athena sent a storm that sank most of the Greek fleet. And that's, that's the power of the gods right there, ladies. 
Um, but those series of plays are actually really, this has nothing to do with um, oracles, but those series of plays are actually really funny. My personal favorite is Electra, because all she did was walk around and cry and then like cry some more because she wanted to take out revenge on on her mother but she couldn't she was a woman and so she just walk around and cry it's really funny really relatable 10 out of 10 highly recommend electra so in conclusion do not sit on a high chair and get high and tell people the future when you in fact do not know what you're talking about be a fortune teller and scam people yeah like there's what are they like okay i'm not gonna bring this up because i don't but like you know the california psychics on the phone question of the day is if you met the qualifications of being a pathia would you be a pathia like would you do it i personally would not because it sounds like a lot of work okay so if you have any feelings good listeners about this question uh go over to our instagram we are at the myth podcast on instagram and twitter we would like to thank our good friend pseudosalient for allowing us to use their song thanatopsis as our theme song you can find more of pseudosalient's amazing music on spotify apple music soundcloud youtube and all those good places just search for pseudosalient, which is P-S-E-U-D-O-S-A-L-I-E-N-T. Okay, guys, if you really liked what you heard, um, you should subscribe and leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening to. If you didn't, I promise it'll get better in the future. Well, I can't actually promise that. Leave us a comment. Give us your suggestions. Yeah, give us suggestions. Oh, we also take topic suggestions. Yes could be anything myth related we'll research it well this technically wasn't myth related uh it kind of was we talked about how the oracle came from the myth well we'll in the future we're going to talk about um uh some myth stuff we'll talk about how it relates to history and science yeah so like subscribe remember the myth To learn more about the topic of this episode or about the show, you can head over to our website, which is www.themythpodcast.wordpress.com.